You're listening to Menders with clinical psychologist and leadership consultant, Dr. Nicola DePaul. Each week, get a dose of real-world inspiration from free-thinking leaders, top clinicians, healthcare innovators, and myself. Looking for quick fixes or standard management tools? Try someplace else. Motivated to maximize the resilience and diversity of your team? Sustain your momentum as a leader and transform your healthcare system? Welcome to Menders. So when I was an early doctoral student, I was working in an inpatient facility. And unfortunately, I started to experience pretty significant sexual harassment from a patient, which is never great, um, but can be complicated when you're working in an inpatient unit where patients can't go anywhere else. So I felt really stuck and really frustrated that nobody was stepping in to help me out. And it wasn't until later when my supervisor sat me down and basically said, look, you are working towards your PhD, which gives you more power and more training than just about anybody else on the team. And I didn't feel like I had any power or training But I started thinking about it and I was able to recognize like, oh, I actually do have agency in this situation. But it it really took her helping me to see that before I was able to recognize that I had the ability to make a difference for my own experience, you know, as a frontline clinician in that situation. And in a lot of ways, I actually had more ability to create change because of the level of training that I had. And even though I had far less experience than some of the other people working around me, I had the knowledge and the ability to kind of dig into resources and start to problem solve. And so I did, and I was able to figure out a solution. It wasn't pretty, it wasn't fast, and it took a lot of collaboration with my supervisor, but we eventually figured out how to get a handle on this sexual harassment situation. So why do I share that story? Well, really, I want to encourage you to kind of take a step back and think about what are you as the leader in your healthcare system, or a leader, responsible for? And Of course, I want you to take full ownership of that. And then think about, well, what can your frontline clinicians or your employees or your environmental services staff, what can they actually do to shape their reality? And how can you empower them to create transformation in a way that's powerful for them? that helps them to take full ownership and responsibility for what they can control or influence or contribute to, to create a system and a work life that feels satisfying and joyful and empowering for them. 
Hey, menders, if you're listening to this and you're a healthcare leader struggling to get a handle on the metrics that matter and you're motivated to improve employee engagement, workplace satisfaction, and overall well being, listen up. Whether you have a tiny system or a large, complex department, there is a clear path you can take to go from burnout culture to cultural renewal. Go to mendinghealthsystems.com to check out my organizational well-being assessment. This mini course will walk you through an organizational self-evaluation that will help you identify your next steps to boost organizational well-being today. So pause this episode and head to mendinghealthsystems.com right now. So that's kind of the big picture thing that I want you to be thinking about as we're talking about and considering frontline change. And I do want to just take a moment, uh, I guess, to provide a cautionary note because empowering frontline change is critical. And at the same time, sometimes it's the first place that people in leadership look to? Like, what can we do to help them uh, respond differently? Or how can we help them, you know, whoever them happens to be, uh, to be more effective or more efficient or, you know, happier in their situation? How can we help them to connect better with their employees or to act more effectively as leaders? For the front line. And I want to caution you against that attitude or that temptation to see your front line or to see leaders or whoever happens to be below you, your direct reports as them. And also caution you against starting with empowering the front line to create change and transformation. And this one is tricky because, like I said earlier, this is so critical. I'm not so naive as to think that change only happens from a top-down leadership perspective. It doesn't. Our frontline, our low-level or lower-level, lower-hierarchy staff have tremendous ability to create transformation. And yet, we actually have to be thinking about what I spoke about in the last episode, those systemic supports first. So it's really a both and. We're thinking about systemic supports, creating policy change, and then we're moving into empowering the front line. So I want to share another example. Um, and this is a system uh, where, you know, some frontline staff didn't feel that they were getting as much support from the executive level as they wanted. And I think the executive level felt frustrated or felt um, like they were not necessarily able to create uh, the systemic changes that frontline staff were requesting. So a health system or a, a department kind of experiencing a double bind, a bit of a tricky situation. Um, But essentially, this particular clinic was experiencing some pretty significant safety concerns. 
endings or none. These have been ongoing for multiple years in this particular location. Um, but things escalated uh, over time and frontline staff, you know, started complaining more and more and more about the situation. And so ultimately what happened was the senior leader for the clinic that was most directly involved in this safety concern decided to do what she could to empower her clinicians and her administrative staff to begin taking action to address safety concerns. So she essentially said, you're right. Like we aren't handling safety as well as we can or as well as we could be. And we need to step up. And she also acknowledged there's nothing that we can do about some of the physical safety concerns. We can't get police or security. That's just not reality right now. But what we can do is we can train our staff to respond more effectively when these situations come up. So that is what she did. And let me tell you, it made a difference. So she started working with her staff to develop a team. So like a behavioral response team um, who had pagers back in the old days and who, when page would respond anytime there was some kind of an escalating situation happening anywhere in the clinic. So in some ways, kind of a simple way to just get a bunch of people who were trained to be present. And the other thing that she did was she drilled, um, she had these folks, this committee or this team of responders drill and practice responding to challenging patient situations regularly. And she had the team meet on a consistent basis to debrief, to talk about problems and to talk about how to deal with situations proactively. So. It was a pretty, it ended up being a pretty sophisticated response that involved people from multiple disciplines throughout this clinic. And it was actually a relatively low cost, though relatively time intensive way to respond to physical safety threats in this particular clinic. And what happened was, you know, this clinic saw, had been seeing like weekly or sometimes more than weekly disruptive behaviors that were really interfering with clinic workflow and with people's sense of physical safety in the space. So it was happening quite often. And the team's presence, proactive nature, and frequent training allowed the clinic to really be upskilled in terms of how problematic or challenging disruptive patient behaviors were experienced and responded to. And part of what happened was a general in, in improvement. There we go. In limit setting, in boundary setting, and in all staff's ability and comfort and confidence to de-escalate problematic situations. So staff were upskilled. Staff were experienced because they had so much practice. And they were more confident displaying these skills and they worked better in the end as well. And when that boundary was set so consistently across teams, across staff, across disciplines, 
it started to transform the environment. So it's not just that patients began to interact more appropriately in response to the specific limit being set, but other patients also saw that limit being set, saw the appropriate modeling of those kinds of responses from the entire clinic. And it kind of, it just transformed the culture of what was acceptable. So I think this is a really beautiful example of how leaders, a leader who was unable to control, you know, big picture physical safety elements like involving police or having on campus security, took a really creative response or approach to the situation and was able to upscale and empower her frontline. And it really created an increase in physical safety, psychological safety, and a sense of trust in the workplace. And those boundaries, like I mentioned, created transformation in terms of how patients experienced that clinic. And when you witness someone creating safety, everybody feels safer. So it had a really profound impact on this entire clinic. And each staff member was also empowered to take full ownership of the situation. So they were no longer feeling like they were at the mercy of executive leadership to do something. They were empowered to do something. And at the same time, they felt supported because they understood what their own senior leader was and was not able to do. And they respected that. That was okay. Maybe it wasn't a completely ideal systemic response or what staff would have liked, but it was still powerful and created a pretty significant transformation within the system. So I just encourage you to take some time to think about what can you do a little bit differently? Can you empower your frontline? Can you bring in additional resources or training or simply have conversations in such a way that you're acknowledging the reality of people's experience and helping them to take full responsibility for what they can actually take ownership of to influence, to create transformation and to create change. And I think this is especially important when we can't control everything. And you know, probably better than, better than I do, better than most, you know what you can't control. You know you can't control everything. And it's frustrating and it's hard. And yet we can never control it all. So when we act responsibly and do what we can to create a systemic change, the next step is really this, taking those steps to empower the front line with the resources that they need to create transformation. All right. I hope that helps you think through some of your next steps. Thank you for listening to Menders. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend. And don't forget to head on over to MendingHealthSystems.com to get started creating cultural transformation for your healthcare team today. Let's create transformation magic. Oh,